to the quarter three movie podcast of the movie Black Sea. My name is Christian Morosky, and I am joined here as I am joined here every here by Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, do you have a tagline for the Black Sea movie that we saw this week? It's like Fantastic Voyage, but normal sized. Okay. Remember, they had a traitor on board, too. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's be careful, careful. careful. Let's what? Not, let's not go. Let, don't. Oh, everyone, there's always a traitor on board, anything. Stop it. <sighs> traitor on board. No one listens to what I say. That everybody, be... everybody, the, uh, people only listen to what you say. That's what they come to hear, what yeah, you say. They think I could mean a... D.E.R. Trader. No, they don't mean they. They are listening to what that's, you say. Stop talking. That's actually, what I did make. Oh, all right, all right. All right. Stop. E. I got to stop talking. <laughs> yeah, because people are listening to what you say. So your tagline is again. Give me something. All right, good. Fantastic voyage, normal size. All right, dingus. We have so much to discuss. But <laughs> most the thing I'm most most excited about is that I actually think I have you on board for seeing Fifty Shades of Grey. Will you stop? I can't believe you're already bringing that up, you jerk. It's too important to not discuss immediately. Uh, I'm so I can't believe you did that. This is like and, we had we had we had talked about things in private, and and we're like, all right, now let's. I can't go. wait. It's too exciting. Right, now, now we're gonna go. We're gonna do the negotiations. Don't say what I just said. Okay, and then immediately you say that. You didn't say don't say what I just said, did you? I didn't, but I thought that was implied. No, because you said, uh, you go... (laughs) I can't believe you're doing this. Tom will want to hear you hate having to talk about it. Tom is... made it argued that you... Reasons to do it. There's no way we're doing Fifty Shades of Grey. Forget it. Okay, that's fake. But I... Wait, but did you see the bus ad for it? Yeah, I, I've, I've seen 150 bus ads for it, and they say, are you I'm curious? curious? I'm not. I'm not but curious. What? Tell right. me, which one are you? Dingus. Dingus, we got to see what happens with their relationship. This, they're, they're gonna be, it's going to be a meet I, I don't even know what it is. I just know that it was a book club book that a bunch of people read. Anastasia. What? It's a trilogy. It's like The Matrix. What? There's three of them. Are you actually going to make me see... It's 150 shades total. Can't believe you're making me talk about this. Come on, Kingsman. Come on. <laughs> right. We'll get back to what you're saying. But also, um, <laughs> when you said that we forgot to talk about the plastic baby in American Sniper last week, I didn't say that. You, <sighs> Jesus. You... <laughs> 
go ahead. What what if we didn't forget to talk about it? I talked about it. I called it the rubber baby. I was totally upset about it when we were talking about it during the podcast. So I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, my point is okay. That's what I meant. But I thought it was deliberately supposed to be a plastic baby, and it was like a like a Dali esque surrealist sequence that Clint Eastwood was doing. If that is the case, then I will have to reevaluate everything I said about American Sniper. Or it was just that's the kind of baby they have. Like she slept with a carpenter or a puppeteer while he was at war. <laughs> Maybe it's a, it's a silicon baby. I, I don't know. No. I thought it was deliberate though, because obviously it's not deliberate. Not doing, it, it was clearly a, it was a problem. Doing it at that. Stop it. It was a problem on set. They couldn't get the baby. One baby was sniffly. The other one couldn't get there for whatever reason. And so Clint Eastwood, being Clint Eastwood, just said, all right, let's just go. But they nominated it. It Like, no one, everyone else went, oh, oh, the plastic baby scene. That was so avant-garde. Let's admit, that should be best picture. It's nominated for best picture, and it's it's still the number one movie of the year, uh, of the week. I, I I have no idea why either of those things, given how many, there's 20 other movies I would have nominated for best picture last year. I have no idea why American Sniper has been nominated or why it's made over $200 million in America. By the plastic now. baby industry is it's, Jesus. What, what the fuck is going on with Amer- I have no idea why American Sniper is has this steamroller behind it. It's unbelievable to me. Uh, it's weird. There's, there's a scene where Bradley Cooper stands there with a rubber baby, and he manipulates his arm with its his thumb, and you can see him like fucking around, like. I'm just – don't look, but I'm moving the baby's arm with my thumb. Uh, you can see him doing it. It's, it's, it's the gladiator syndrome. It's, it's, that, it's the same thing. I have no idea why American Sniper is so popular. What is going on? Wait, gladiator's good. There's no plastic babies in that. No, there's, there's a chariot that, get, that, that the rolls over. The kid's a traitor. <laughs> And you see the and you see in Gladiator, you see the canisters right there. You see it, and and you can also see it like a dude walking across the stage in jeans. I mean, it, there's so many mistakes in Gladiator. Well, the guys wearing but togas were back were in back then, so that part that's not an anachronism. Uh, so anyway, I can't believe we're talking sniper again. Kelly Wand, uh, do you have an IMDb ops this week? I do. Uh, uh, you know, a, a couple of people emailed in. I don't know if you got This is one of theirs. I did oh, it. Oh, you picked one of their IMDb opsies? Yeah. Oh, I'm so, ha- I'm so happy about that. Okay, cool. I'm curious. I was curious as to whether or not you chose one of those. So so jump on it. Because uh, also, I'm, I'm really keen to talk about the first line of the IMDb opsies of this week's uh, Black Sea movie. Because I, I thought I thought that one was really hilarious, but uh, so so what did you choose? What what is this week? There's already an opsis of, of Black Sea on IMDb. Yeah, of course. And you looked at it uh, when I was doing my when I was writing up the movie this week. Sure, for uh, for Black Sea. Wait, what was the first sentence? Oh, never mind. No, no, I'll, I'll tell you later after we get right. past all of the spoiler stuff. But but you picked one of our listeners' choices for the IMDb opsis this week. Well, I had one that was topical. It was uh, 
a Navy captain uses his experimental snark to reach a nuclear submarine stuck on an ocean ledge. All right. Uh, good. From Tom's uh, Grey Lady Down movie, likes. Good. But this uh, someone sent in. That's Justin D. Hurd's. During a routine case in L.A., NY private investigator Harry Damore stumbles over members of a fanatic, of a fanatic cult. <laughs> you, you couldn't even say it. That's awesome. I, I stumbles was too funny. Start, I, let me start over. Start, start, start over. Yeah, go ahead. During a routine case in L.A., right? Routine. Yeah. NY private investigator Harry Damore stumbles over members of a fanatic cult who are waiting for the resurrection of their leader, Nix. <laughs> Thirteen years ago, Nix was calmed down by his best trainee, Swan. In the meantime, Swan has advanced to a popular illusionist like David Copperfield and is married to the charming Dorothea. She hires Debord to protect Swan against the evil cult members. A short time later, Swan is killed by one of his own tricks, and the occurrences are turning over, and it crackles between Dorothea and Damore. Wow. Do you know the name of the movie? Uh, I, I, I don't. I, I, I love that you chose Justin's because uh, he's one of my favorite new listeners. Um, uh, some stuff made me think about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but clearly that's not this. Um, what is this? Uh, this is Lord of Illusions, directed by Clive Barker. Oh, right. Well, I've never seen that. I don't know what that is. Really? Yeah. I thought you saw Clive Barker movies. I have seen Clive Barker movies. I've never seen that. Mm. It's a lesser Barker. It's not as good as Hellraiser. <laughs> it's a lesser Barker. It's better than Rawhead Rex. Um, <laughs> what's that one? Nightbreed. Did you ever see that one with David Cronenberg in it? As, yeah. Uh, yeah. You say it like that, like, oh, yeah. That's more uh, obscure than Lord of Illusions. I saw it accidentally. You shouldn't have seen it. <laughs> you should have seen the other one I mentioned. Yeah. I mentioned You saw it accidentally? Yeah. You went, oh, it's like cats. Right. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep watching. And then. <laughs> All right, anyway. All right. Well, Did you like it? I can't even remember. I don't remember a thing about it. All right. Anyway, that's all I got. All right. Thank you very much, Clive Barker. Thank you for Justin for giving us that. Uh, uh, what was that? Lord of Illusions? Lord of Illusions. Harry Damore, Dorothea. All right. Uh, <laughs> Walton Goggins? Is it oh, Walton Goggins is in it. I could is be that, wrong on that. I, oh, I love that it guy might be so Michael much. Moore. Walton Goggins is one of my favorite Goggins. people. I love that Justified. guy. Oh, yeah. Shane. Predators. I love Walton Goggins. Yeah, yeah because, everybody loves Walton Goggins. Is he in S.H.I.E.L.D. or just in uh, Justified? Uh, he was he on did. The S.H.I.E.L.D. with Ben Grimm on it, Michael Chiklis. Yeah, was, yeah. I love Walton Goggins. I think he's so good. Damn. Love I like that. that one. Yeah. That's a good finale, series finales. I was going over, like, thinking, like, the worst endings to things. But, like, uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. last episode. I still haven't gotten to the end of The S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh! Wait, it gets better. Are you in the earlies? 
Uh, I'm did about. You, did I'm, you from I'm, in an episode? Natalie Zay's in one. I'm about halfway through the shield. Oh. oh, okay. The best is ahead of you. All right, good. It's like the opposite of well, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Same wire. Uh, we just got mired down in the middle of it, and we couldn't see the rest of it for you know so, some reason or other. But I think I've got the whole series. Um, I just haven't watched the whole thing, and I really, really liked it. Uh, What'd you say? Did you get to Forrest Whitaker? Uh, I don't remember. Did it's you get been, to it's, No, I don't. Definitely not. I, I, oh, it's God. been a couple of years since since I've watched it. So I so when I watch it again, I'll have to start all over again. And you haven't seen all the best actress movies nominations. That... No, I still haven't. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Black Sea. Let's all go. of a sudden, you just made me think about. Um, uh, who is uh, who's the guy? Who's the main guy? Michael Chiklis. Michael Chiklis. You just made me think of the fact that uh, I've been watching a bunch of Seinfeld stuff just randomly as I like do work, like do taxes and whatnot around the house. And my son saw that I was watching um, an early episode of Seinfeld on my computer, you know, because I've got all I've got all of them on DVD, and there is, and Michael Chiklis appears. <laughs> I know it's it's a. You have your computer, even though never mind. All right, okay. Well, well, well. You know, when you're watching the Shield, you have to watch the Shield. When you when you have Seinfeld, you can let it just play in the background and do whatever you want. No, because it's Um, hard to figure out those episodes if you haven't come in from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Seinfeld, you can just let it play in the background, especially if you've seen them as many times as I have. And and one of the early early seasons of Seinfeld. Michael Chiklis appears in this Long Beach or Long I'm sorry Long Island Long Beach Long Island like everybody goes out to Long Island for this party and Michael Chiklis is the guy who owns the house where they go to the party and uh, and my son happened to walk by and and see that I was watching this he's like hey is that and I went uh, okay you tell me who it is and he goes that's you know that's thing from Fantastic Four that's Michael Chiklis see? Yeah, I know. That's who he is. That's that's who that is. That's the same guy. The things on Seinfeld's both New York stories. Yeah. Uh, and then I explained that he was also on the Shield, um, and one of the guys on the Shield, one of the main dudes, uh, is the father of one of his friends at school. I mean, uh, you know, that, that that dude was on the Shield for many years. Um, so he's like, wait, that's so and so's dad. Like, yeah, yeah, he was on the shield for many. Wait, which guy? Uh, the the mustache guy. Oh, uh, the fourth. Who's guy. in his group? Yeah, he's oh, in, he's wait, in. The, you gotta, okay. Yeah, uh, he's an actor named David Reese Snell. He's a really good actor, um, but but he's he's the father of one of Kierne, one of my one of my son's friends. He's like, oh, that's that guy. Oh, okay, so. And he's like, "Can I watch that show?" I'm like, "No, you can't watch the Shield." I'm sorry. No, <laughs> you, no, can't, you yeah. can't watch the Shield. Even I wouldn't watch the Shield. Yeah, even you. A- anyway, all oh, right. Wait, that guy's fascinating to me. Okay, yeah, he just blew my mind. That's uh, even bigger to me than the Colin Farrell thing. <laughs> well, what's great about it? What, what's great about this guy is that is that he has that ridiculous mustache for the earlier earlier seasons of the shield uh, and he's like yeah i thought that would be a really good character choice and, and we all thought that would be a good choice but then every p- 
picture you see me in, like every family picture, every time I'm in a wedding, any, any photo I'm in, I've got this ridiculous mustache, and everybody just thinks, why does he have the mustache? Well, I, he was on a show where he had to have that mustache for the whole time. Uh, yeah, he he should keep going because he's important. Well, he's a, he's a he's a really good actor. I mean, I think uh, he went on to be on that um, that biker show. I can't remember what it's called. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I think he was on that. I think he's not been on that. But, but anyway, he's a he's a really good actor. He's on that. Uh, but anyway, I'm getting way off course. We should be talking about the movie we're about to talk about this week. And uh, I'm just trying to remember the name of his character. It's not Larry. It's not Lem. It's the other guy. Okay, never mind. Yes, Black Sea. Another ensemble. Uh, all right, so uh, no, no spoilers yet. Um, so the, anyway, uh, let me just make clear that this week we saw uh, Black Sea. Not the Black Sea, <laughs> just Black Sea. A 2015 British adventure thriller movie about the value of life. It uh, was directed by Kevin McDonald and written by Dennis Kelly. It stars Jude Law. Grigory Dobrigin, Michael Smiley, Konstantin Kabjenski, Sergei Venskler, and Ben Mendelsohn. Black Sea is rated R for language throughout, some graphic images, and violence. Kelly Wan, do you think this uh, deserves to be a rated R movie? It's an R? Yeah, it's rated R. Uh, no. Because you can't, if there's any profanity, you can't understand it anyway, because everybody's mumbling. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that... Uh, so that's five points off. I think it's really intense and scary, um, but given the way other things are rated R, I'm not sure I would rate it. Yeah, that. and you know what? Remember that movie, uh, The Widowmaker, K-19? That movie was PG-13, and it was so horrific, because it's people dying of radiation sickness for the whole movie. Oh, that, Jesus. I didn't. I've never even seen that. Is that a Catherine? Is that a Catherine Bigelow movie? I don't think so. Oh, it's not. Okay, it's clearly Mammoth. All right, <laughs> it's clearly Mammoth. Anyway, Neeson and Harrison Ford has a Russian accent at it. It's a good one to watch to like for Tom to throw into the uh, Harrison Ford versus Dwayne Johnson. Let's, uh, God, Lord. I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's a submarine movie. You're fucking weird. I I totally it. agree with you that I'm weird. Um, but yeah, so, I've still never seen it. K-19, The Widowmaker. Huh. Well, anyway, that's an intense PG-13. And, like, by comparison... All right. Wait, is the gray rated R? Is this, is, this isn't the same guy who did the gray, right? No, it's not the same guy who did the gray. It's the guy who did the eagle. Uh, but let's not get too far into uh, uh, what we think cool. about this movie yet. Okay. Let's talk about the that's numbers awesome. first. All right. All right, the numbers uh, for this week's movie, The Black Sea, or not Black, not The Black Sea, Black Sea. That's yourself. Uh, were pinged to us from our quarter three sonar array, including one way out at Pearl. Um, Black Sea on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, was 83%. 83. Huh. There's uh, never a th- Almost never. Uh, Black Sea on Metacritic and before I tell you the Metacritic when I clicked on Metacritic to find out what the numbers were the pop-up ad for it for when I was like 
when I went to Metacritic and then I typed in Black Sea and clicked on trying to find out what the numbers for Black Sea were, and then it sent me over to the Black Sea page. Before I could look at the numbers, the ad that popped up was for a Disney cruise ship ad. Huh. <laughs> which, which I thought was great for a submarine. Was that a boat? So that was a nautical. The computer went, oh, he likes ships. <laughs> he likes Look, ships. How likes- about since he loved uh, Black Sea, we should send him on a Disney cruise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Metacritic, which is the average ratings from various reviews, Metacritic is at 62. Oh. Doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Um, box office, again, doesn't mean a damn thing. Um, this is, is a, this is a, uh, a movie that came out in the UK and Ireland last year, came out here this year in 2015. Uh, it, it, Black Sea lands at number 48 with about $464,000. Um, uh, Number one was American Sniper again, and number two is Paddington. Uh, number three, still. the only movie that came out that we would have seen, the only other movie that I think we would have seen, the number three movie was Project Almanac. I mean, we mo- we would have had a shot of that, um, but I'm. Uh, but anyway, we saw we saw Black Sea, which was number forty eight. So, uh, all right, so that those are the numbers. We're done, and we're out of. Um, non-spoiler territory. We're about to enter spoiler waters. <laughs> oh, so, Kelly Wand, you're about to sail us into spoiler waters. You're about submerge to submerge uh, you in. Them. You're about to sub. Yeah, you're about to submerge us into spoiler waters. So if you're if you're super jo- jonesing to see Black Sea, uh, go away because Kelly Wand's about to ruin it in his Black Sea. He talks about the movie and what happens in it. I don't know what you're going to call it. Hmm. No theories. Uh, I definitely have theories. Qualified theories. I, I have theories, but I, I don't want to step on your toes. So go ahead. That's what I. That's how I'd feel too if you advanced a theory. I'd be going, "What? Fuck you, dingus!" Yeah. God, I know I asked you for one, but fuck. Exactly. Black sepsis. <laughs> that's better than mine. Sopsis. Black sepsis. I was gonna say black sepsis, but I like black sepsis because it sounds like a wound. What does Fifty Shades of Grafsis sound like? Uh, stay, God damn it! Stop doing that. Valentine's Day, Dingus, oh, you and me. You're like running a you you're like me. running a campaign for president two years before presidential campaigns. We did. Why do we get married too? I'm aware that we did that. We gotta people show the other side. We got to show us. the white people. People paid us to do that. I know that was weird. That's the and and whenever someone who like finds the podcast for the first time like sees everything we've done, that's always the first title they zero in on. They're like, "Wait, what? You guys talked about that?" Ugh. All right, that's what we're known for. Anyway, we are now at Black Sea, and you are about to yeah, yeah. Black Sepsis. Just a little trip down Pledge Drive, Emory Lane, oh. uh, Black Sepsis. Aren't you going to um, steer it like I something to... I am not going to. I'm no, going to put... Uh, step my toes. I'm going to put 50 degrees on the down planes, and that's all I'm going to do. Oh, you're upset about it. All right, I get it. Look, <laughs> we'll talk... That we're going we're to hug this out together at the movie. <laughs> we are we're not... 
Let's do that. I'll, what? I'll, I'll tie you up and put you under my chair. I just think it would help you, it would help me understand the female perspective. Black sepsis. Some red CG spills all over photos of Hitler and Reagan and other famous World War II submarine commanders. After the red CG loses interest, some words are all black sea, but now the screen's blue. There's a desk with a boss behind it. He's all, well, Jude, levity's probably inappropriate here, but it's time to lay off the law <laughs> instead of lay it down. little play on words. I don't see what's so bloody amusing about torpedo and a moon's livelihood. <laughs> I've never been a fan of metaphorical torpedoing. Sorry, torpedoing a moon's what? Lovelyhood. Lovelyhood. Lovely. Lovely. See, I, I feel like I'm saying. No, Lovelyhood. You bloody knackered them, mate. No, I'm just drunk. Anyways, you're fired. See, the board of directors all watched war games the other night instead of making decisions, and they decided to replace all sea captains with machines. It's kind of exciting, actually. Who knew using robots to go insane on submarines and kill each other over gold would happen in our lifetimes? Stranger than fiction. Although, probably oil, since they're robots. Not like humans at all in that respect. Anyway, today's your last day, so we're going to need that gold watch back. And your company ore. Jude Law's all. Damn your glasses to Glasgow and back. I just spent 30 years swabbing decks for babyscape. Another 10 turning torpedo tube cranks with my bare hands. And the eight before that, raising periscopes and staring at gator screens till I acquired this here perpetual squint. If you pull the string in my back, I tell you I love you. Can a rumor do that now? <laughs> sure, I may be a bit roosty. But that's what separates us from Ruboots in the fast place. <laughs> I think it's that I'd sad if I'd been born a little further east. <laughs> Crazy, huh? I would Boston. be turning on. Uh, I would be turning on subtitles if I were watching this movie. What? That made all sense. Sure. Wait, that needs a subtitle. That made all sense. One speak. That made sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what subtitles would sound like if they were on. <laughs> See, they don't make movies for the blind. They do the subtitles for the deaf people. Oh, ouch. What? Come on. They, just... they do make movies for the blind. How dare you? What? Like the radio? Oh, ouch. What? Is that too soon? I'm just saying. The I'm boss... saying what? Blind, blind people watch movies? Oh, yeah. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because yeah. Braille. Do they like them? What's their favorite movie? Do they agree? <laughs> is there only one? I'll bet <laughs> it's not 2001. Their All favorite right. movie is The Artist. Oh. Oh, see? Wait, you got mad at me and then you did that. That's right. I couldn't. I couldn't. It's low hanging fruit. What am I going to do? <clears throat> yeah. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to elevate this back to. Please the, bring us back up. Through art. Artistry. Sure, I may be a bit roosty, but that's what separates us from reboots in the fast place. That was Jude Law, by the way, Dingus. <laughs> the boss is all. That's a great point, actually. Tell you what, you're rehired at quadruple pay. Jude Law's all. Ah, to hell with ye and your company. He storms out, then storms into a pub that has friends of his in it. 
his abrasive homicidal buddy Gary is all, No way, Jude, they fired you even? Firing all mumbles here, I can understand. The coot of the group saw, from the dictions Everyone smiles affectionately. To a different member of the group, the bartender's all, Hey, Lucky, where'd you get that $30,000 in your hand? Lucky's all, Oh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> hey, guys, the company, I mean, uh, this eccentric millionaire wants us, or rather you, after I kill myself, to go get this Nazi gold out of a submarine on the ocean floor using another submarine that's even older and in worse shape than the sunken one. And all he asks for in returns the gold. What do you say? They're all, uh, it's not the millionaire from Foxcatcher, is it? <laughs> that guy likes to show up on Sundays. Lucky's all, yeah, it's probably him. They're all, okay. They go to visit the millionaire, and he's all, yeah, the sub we got, he's old. What year is this again? Uh, who cares? You leave it dawn. Jude Law's all, make it dune, the crook of it. The millionaire's butler steps forward and goes, hi, I'm Scoot McNary. I'll be going with you. You can't pass me unless I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> Do you like my McNary? Dang this. <laughs> Took me all night. The Very next good. morning... Jude Law comes into his living room to find a kid eating all his crackers. He asks the question we're all thinking. Are you hungry? The kid's all, yeah, usually. Also, my name's Tobin. Lucky killed himself, but taped the suicide note to my face while I was asleep. Jude Law gently untapes the blood-stained stationery from the kid's face and reads aloud. Hey, Jude, Mooch is always looking forward to being at the bottom of the ocean with you. Me bathtub's closer. Just take Tubin here with ye. I taught him every thune I knew. That's every thune but seafaring. Was gonna get a rude to that Tumuru. Best of Luke, Lukey. P.S. Please don't read this part elude, but just between us, Tubin sucks. He's always eating me crackers. Clearly a virgin. Jude Law looks at the kid and goes, Well, Tubin, have you ever been to sea? The kid's all, uh, what's water? There's a montage of Jude Law looking at submarine equipment and nodding <laughs> and initialing charts. <laughs> Set to uh, something's going to happen music. As the 19th fight of the day breaks out between his English crewmates and the Russian ones, Scoot McNeary's all, Damn, we haven't even left port yet, and already we're reduced to cannibalism. He raises a bloody foot and belches. Jude Law's all, Tubin! What you doing with that parachute and the time machine? Tobin's face turns slightly redder. He's all, sorry, Mr. Law, I guess the boys were hazing me again. Dingus, he has a time machine because they hazed me. <laughs> Thank you. you. Know yes. That's embarrassing. Jude Law's all, and they told you to wear this sunscreen and put this kick me sign on your back? Oh, actually, this isn't sunscreen. And I put the sign there myself. Why? The sailors in the background cackle and high-five. Jude Law gives them a warning look and goes, Well, Tubin, that's just their woo and They were spooked you. And you choice to stay a virgin. The kid's all, I'm not a virgin. I jack off constantly. See? The submarine sets out. That night in the mess hall, Gary's all, Stupid Russian cook, I ordered shit in a bowl. And this is pineapple cake. The Russian cook's all, Perestroika. Some subtitles are all, in Russia, the people who give you their food give you their heart. Also in Russia, Periscope raise you. <laughs> Gary's all, 
Oh, yeah? Here's what I think of your subtitles. He flips the cake upside down, rendering it totally inedible. Everybody starts yelling and waves knives around. Someone gets stabbed, which makes the kitchen blow up. Jude Law is punched awake by Scoop McNary, who's all, Hey, good news, Captain. We have about three hours of oxygen left. We're on the oxygen... God damn it. Fuck! (laughs) That accent really wore me out. Sorry. He continues, And we're on the ocean floor and missing a naval component called an engine. But by sure chance, we landed right next to the Nazi sub we were looking for. Although there's a 50% chance that we're somewhere else. Uh, It's like a different ledge and the movie's over. We're still debating that. Jude Law's all, Root, we'll need our three smartest people to go over to the sub and get the gould and its engine and bring it over. On a grocery coot. (laughs) Mumbly? Gary? Uh, The kids all, I'll go. It'll be like Lord of the Rings. We got the untrustworthy guy and the old man here. Nobody ever knows what the fuck he's talking about. And I'll be like hobbits because I don't understand anything. I'm uh, Some third reason. They're all, uh, kid's a genius. Uh, then Mumbley's all, uh, good, kid's a genius. <laughs> That's how he talks, Dingus. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> The raiding party of three set out in hazmat suits with hoses on them to wander around the ocean floor with a grocery cart. The kids all, hello, guys. Uh, <laughs> Dingus? <laughs> We're almost done. Yeah, I think we parked on the wrong ledge. Uh, I'm not seeing a U-boat anywhere. Maybe we're on the floor of the wrong ocean. Uh, is there someone we can call and ask? Wait, never mind. Here it is. We're standing on it. Just couldn't see because the camera was zoomed in. Jude Law's all, good work, Tubin. Keep saying things. Okay, uh, we're in the sub now. Hey, Gary. Look, this guy's skeleton's handcuffed to a bedpost. I guess he was a prisoner? Gary's all, nope, a cannibal. Now come on, quit lollygagging and start gold bricking. Uh, I guess that's how that guy will sound from now on. I look over at Chappie sitting beside me and go, in a yellow submarine, the gold would be camouflaged, huh? They start trundling the gold back to the sub across the ocean floor using the rickety grocery cart with the creaky wheel the millionaire let them borrow. Over the intercom, Jude Lazal. Oi, could you guys move away from the cliff there, maybe? You're spilling all the gold, you fucking idiots. Gary's all, yeah, hey, Mumbly, uh, your air hose isn't getting caught in the wheels enough. Why don't you go look over the edge? Mumbly's all, yeah, Cormorant, Richard Price, and borrow hash browns over in Jaguar's. One of the husks from under the skin slaps into his faceplate, knocking him Oh, uh, too soon. His hose stretches, snaps back. He's all, Ooh, I can talk normally now. My near-death experience seems to have utterly cured my... He explodes. Jude Law's all, new. Scoot McNary's all, oh yeah, that reminds me. Maybe I should have mentioned this sooner. But the company plans to arrest you the second we surface and take all the gold, or give it to Russia. They paid Lucky $30,000 to kill himself, which is why they didn't have enough cash for a better submarine, which is why you should trust me when I tell you we should leave the gold here and head for the surface and then just get arrested anyway. Maybe I can figure out a better plan in front of, like, a firing squad. Any questions? Jude's all, you listen here, McNeary. All my life, me and my men have been getting flushed like shit. But a submarine's different. Slightly different. 
This time shit's fighting back. Inspired by this speech, the gold's brought aboard safely. <laughs> Favorite of the concrete. <laughs> and they decide to take a shortcut back home through this underwater hedge maze. Since Scoot McNary's proven untrustworthy, he's paired up with Gary, the other untrustworthy guy, while a Russian guy near them fucks around near this furnace. Scoot McNary's all, Hey, Gary, kill Tubby over there using this wrench. The Russian guy looks over and goes, Oh, I can hear you guys. Also, my name's not Tubby, it's Keith. Scoot McNary's all, Can you hear me now? Yeah, not as well. Barely. Kill with the wrench. I'll figure out a motive later. <laughs> Five seconds later, Scoot McNary comes to the bridge, spattered with blood, carrying a dented wrench, matted with bits of bone and brain. He's all, guys, Tubby just had a heart attack or something. And Gary did. I tried getting them to give each other CPR. Uh, sheepishly gestures with the wrench and goes, look, I'm not a doctor, obviously. He raises a bloody foot. In my defense, this one's mine. He gnaws off a toe. All the surviving crew members explode, except for Jude Law, Tobin, and guy with the beard number 12. Jude Law's all, I had a hooch this would happen. He opens a luggage compartment and starts handing out those giant inflatable sumo suits. Brought three of these. You guys head to the surface, look for land, swim towards it, hope, survive. Shrug. Tobin's all, but Captain, what about you? Jude Lazo. I used the emergency louver in me flashback to my childhood at the beach. The only day I ever remember. Everybody hugs themselves. Then he stuffs Tobin and the Russian guy into a torpedo tube, slams the hatch on the guy's beard, and hits the launch kit and other guy at the surface button. <laughs> then he stares at the gold in the door and water behind it till his flashback's over. Tobin bubbles to the surface next to the Russian. <laughs> his flashback's over. He bubbles to the surface. <laughs> no, I just like till his flashback's over. Oh. I thought you liked that other worked really hard on. Yep, sorry. Good. Surface. A newspaper slaps him in the face. It says, putting photographs in inflatable suits makes gold float. The end. <laughs> I didn't understand that, Dingus. Which part didn't you understand? It's gold in it, and that helps them that works like buoys that like make them float upwards. Seems like that would make them sink. If you put gold in someone's pockets. Yeah, that's, that's why they don't put it in the suits. When when the kid says how how much does this weigh? He tells him like twelve kilograms or whatever. Can I take one of these with me? Not if you want to go up. Um, uh, not, which doesn't make any sense because uh, like a fat guy would get in the suit, and the, the kid is paper thin um but the the idea is that the these bars weigh too much to go up with a human but you know i'm not going to send myself up but i'll send a couple of bars up they're half a million dollars worth half a million bucks a piece uh i'll send a few of those bars up with you with with the last escape suit and a picture of my ex-wife and my son so (laughs) presumably you guys take a couple and then give one to my kid. You know, that's kind of the idea. Oh, I would I would have just thought thanks for the picture. Yeah, thanks for the picture. Now I'm going to go deposit this. Somewhere. But but the suit can take up a human being, so so it could take up a couple, couple gold bars. 
They have I mean, to get off the island, and they got the gold. It seems a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's a huge pain in the ass, unless you're unless you're carrying half a million dollars around with you. Yeah, but you got to get it through customs and the navy. And yeah, I mean, I, had they gotten to Turkey with forty thousand million tons of gold, you know, what are they going to do with it? I mean, and, and once you have that much gold, really, what are you going to do with it? If if I had a bar of gold. I was like, yeah, I have a yeah. bar of gold. What the fuck am I going to do with a bar of gold? Where where do you I take buy it? A wall of bricks. <laughs> I, I love the I love the visual. I love the idea of it. But honestly, uh, if I were to surface <laughs> uh, in Santa Monica with a bar of gold, yeah. where am I going to take? That's where your problems begin. <laughs> I know it's a first world sounding problem, but great. It's I can I can pay rent this month. How? Yeah. Do I shave a little bit of this off and take it to the bank? What the hell am I going to do with it? Yeah, how do you offload it? Yeah, uh, but but all, all that aside. Um, but also, just it seems like a weird image to end the movie on. Like we just had the no, line. It's, it's oh, a beautiful image. I mean, it's it's no different than the end of uh, Ocean's Eleven. I mean, it, I mean, it's a great end of a high. That's a beautiful work of art, and this movie. Oh, uh, so where? How do you feel about this movie? Go ahead. I think I was disappointed, but only because um, it seems like when you're in a submarine, it's the com like submarine life so fucked up that like if you're already if you're all um, like Michael Bean and Abyss, it's like hard <laughs> enough without that even. So it's yeah. almost like too much. I don't know. Like it was one of those movies where I doubted the competence of anyone. Like Jude Law picked all these fuckheads. They're stabbing each other instantly. Within so, days so what what do you mean by that? The, Jude, Jude Law picked all these fuckheads. Oh, aren't they all the guys that got fired? Well, he's friends with most of them, isn't he? Well, uh, yeah. I uh, let me just say I totally disagree with what you just said, but I'm curious as to why you say Jude Law picked all these fuckheads. Uh, he picked them all because he had to leave soon. Yeah, he definitely had to leave soon. Um. He made a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> uh, well, as it plays out, I mean, this is a heist movie. I mean, this is essentially what we've got here is a submarine heist movie, right? Um, and so things are going to fall apart. At, you know, it's just a matter of where the domino is falling. So he, you're right. He has to pick his team much more quickly than, say, Ocean's Eleven has to pick their team. And if you have one guy who's saying kill these other guys so that we have to go to the surface, would you just kill them first since you need competent personnel to fall back on? All right. Okay. Okay, what were we going to say? Ocean's Eleven. Uh, what I was going to say is that, is that – do you remember the the, um, the team picking sequence in this movie? Vaguely. Uh, I remember it very strongly, and I think it's one of the strongest parts of this movie, and one of the things I loved about it. And it's you know, it's it's them talking about who they're going to pick for their team, and then there's shots of them on the bus, and and they talk about the specific dude and what his role is going to be, and they show that guy, 
and and it's this great little bit of editing where the you know he talks about well who who else are you gonna be well he's got the he's got the best ears in Russia well they show that guy well who well who are we gonna get for this well then they show that guy well who are we gonna get for that well he's a psychopath well nevertheless he's like a fish all right and they show Ben Mendelsohn I mean they show each one of them and that editing is is just so beautiful and I think they pick everybody that they can possibly pick for this ragtag fugitive fleet that they're going to take on this mission, but it's flawed. I mean, there's no way it can't be flawed because they're going to be a bunch of criminals. Um, but I love the way that they pick the team. I love that. But the so superhero character, the, okay, so is the company like the company in Alien, and they'll just do... Like he's yeah. the riser guy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you believe what um, what Scoot McNary's character eventually reveals, um, that the company set them all up for this all all down the line, uh, then yeah. Uh, that seems weird to me. What seems weird to you? I don't know. Just why would they have him be that guy? Who? What do you mean? Why would they get someone who's claustrophobic to be their agent? Well, okay, that certainly makes sense. Why would they do that? But if they're incompetent, but, but they're I, not incompetent, or are they incompetent? They give them a really bad submarine to do it in. Uh, I think I think, and I've really been thinking about it. Let, let me just let me just state that I love this movie. I absolutely love it, um, and I think this is kind of going to split with you and me as as far as the gray split. Um, yeah, I, it reminded me of the gray. Uh, I really, I really love it. I, and it's, it's, you know, at first I thought, oh no, is this a 2014 movie? No, it's a 2015 movie because it came out in uh, UK and Ireland in 2014, but it came out in the United States in 2015. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm happy because I can start my list now. I'm, you know, it probably won't wind up on my list for 2015, but I really love this movie. I love the tension it builds. I love that it's this submarine heist movie. I love it that it's got so much uh, great tension and uh, uniformly great cast. Everybody's awesome in it. Jude Law. I've never seen him do this kind of character before. I'm crazy yeah, about him. Yeah, he's really good at it. Um, I agree with you on that. But, but I'm I'm not quite sure what to do with that whole. Um, what, what do you What do you do with what is that? What is the company actually doing? Um, are they Are they hoping it'll fail? Are they trying to hedge their bets? Are they protecting themselves because if they really wanted this to succeed they would have outfitted them with the perfect submarine yeah. to do it and the perfect crew to do it but they can't have any tethers to them are they any connections to them whatsoever so they let jude law handle the whole thing and they're just like well because of the politics of it we can't be we can't have our fingers in it in this pie at all and they let scoot mcnary Go out, and I don't think they think Scoot McNary is going to wind up on the boat, but he gets hooked into it, you know, because of the way Jude Law structures the whole thing and the way it winds up. Um, I think I think the dominoes fall because of the the things that they structure, and I I think everything falls down because of that. Um, so I, I don't think I I, th I don't think that they intended all of that. But none of that really matters to me based on the sort of the the tension and the structure of the movie. Mm. 
it's it's the same thing that bugged me in the gray where it's like all right we have a lot of disadvantages right now because we're surrounded by wilderness and snow. We're out of food. So let's try not to fight over dumb shit. We can handle that. And in yeah. this, they're like stabbing each other in the kitchen like the second night out. It's like, look, we're in a fucking submarine. Can we at least like just limit it to fist fights till we're either we have the gold or we're like, like wouldn't these guys be really hardened and used to that life or something? It seems like they're really, un- they're all acting like fucking Scoop McNary. Well, uh, well, that, okay. Let's let's. As opposed I, to like the Robert Redford, all his lost characters, like, all right, here's what I got to do to make it through the day. First things first, kill. Well, well, he's one man alone, and these are these are a bunch of guys who have to work together, and they're all they're all at the end of the rope. Yeah, and if it's uh, is okay, so this is like a people going insane underwater movie. It's a night of night of the living dead where it's like they can't work together, and that's the message of the movie. That's well, it, it's not necessarily that. It's it's also sort of a, an allegory about two countries that can't work together. I mean, th- I mean, it's very specific that it's it's you know it's a bunch of people who speak Russian and a bunch of pe- people speak English and they can't communicate. But in 2010, it, they used computers. What'd you say? In 2010, they did it. And that happened before this. No, but even now we can't do it. I mean, that's the deal. We we can, even now we cannot we cannot interface with Russia right now. Uh, and so the idea that these English speakers and these Russian speakers are in different sides of the boat and they want different things and they're angry at each other about different things, and yet because they're under underwater and they have to survive, they find a way to do so. I mean, I, I love the way that that whole dynamic plays out and i think there's a little bit of sort of this this english speaking russian speaking thing going on there don't, don't you see i mean don't you see that as yeah that? it is set up that way but it seems weird that they wouldn't be united by like they should be coming together instead of well eventually they are i mean that's what's fascinating about that whole weird bend they're still murdering thing. each other after like well, when when uh, fraser when fraser stabs that dude in the heart and i loved that guy i was so the, the thing about this movie and this is one one other thing that i really love about black sea is that it, it is not afraid to kill off characters that i love uh, i love that <laughs> i love that that lead russian guy i love that guy I absolutely love that guy. I thought he was awesome. Uh, I thought he was just just totally charming, and he was really perfect for that role. And then when when he got stabbed in the heart, I, I'm like, really? Is that what you're gonna do? you're gonna take that guy away from me? And the same thing that the same thing that happened when the when the engine guy got killed. I was like, you can't take that guy away from me. I love that yeah, guy. Yeah, the same guy killing all of them. And when Michael Smiley gets killed, when the when the guy who's his his like right hand man gets killed gets uh, get, dies. I, I hated every single time when somebody died in this movie. I hated it. Um, I can't say that about most other movies of this type. Heist movies, when you know. When they lose, like the red shirts, I don't necessarily care. I don't think there's any red shirts in this movie. I cared about every single person, even if I couldn't tell you who they were. And it, it's a difficult movie. I mean, it's a difficult movie to look at because you don't know any of the actors. You can't really tell who the characters are. Even they they, they painstakingly do this great introduction, like of each who each person is. There, there's there's a, there's not anybody you know really unless you really know movies uh, other than Jude Law um, and and half of them are Russian dudes with names that are hard 
to pronounce. But still, I cared about every one of them. And when any one of them would die, I was like, oh, God damn it. I mean, I love that about this. Didn't you feel like that? No, I got omomics up constantly. Ugh. And I was frustrated because I felt like Jude Law was getting to do anything cool. Like he was just on the – he doesn't go on the other boat and there's no sub versus sub and there's no – like he doesn't plan to go down the way they do. Like he's always, he's, he's a very passive uh, protagonist. Oh, wait a minute. What, yep. what the fuck are you talking about? He's on the radio. Wait, what do you mean he's, a, he's on the radio? What are you talking about? When they're like crossing to get the golden stuff, he's like, "All right, keep going, do this." Oh, I thought you were talking about the radio, the Jaws moment. All right. Oh no, no, that's the part. Okay, that he does do a little quint there, but even that's like he's. <laughs> How can you say he's a passive character, Kelly Wand? What are you talking about? He's always sitting back. He's oh, do. If you Jesus. compare him to the guy in Das Boot, the Jurgen Prock now, or uh, McConaughey in U five seventy three. Conhey calls some fucking shots, and also in uh, Crimson Tide, that's all about like who is going to be the less passive commander. I can't believe you are actually saying that the character because this is one of my favorite Julak characters. I've never like seen him do this. He's he's, yeah, no, he's he's like this big, like he's tough, and he's not this like usually he's this this slight like like I don't I, like clever. Uh, a glib character, and he's just this dude with weight to him. He's yeah. not passive at all. What are you talking about? No, he's cool, but then he doesn't get to do anything cool. What are you? What are you talking about? The coolest thing he does in the movie. What's the most like cinematic thing he gets to do besides wait for a door to cave in at the end and go? By the way, I brought these suits. He runs the submarine. Uh, he runs the whole thing. The he controls the men. He gets them into. Well, he controls them all. He lets, he lets Scoot McNary manipulate him. He, he, no, he does not. But Scoot McNary in his thing, he takes it off his belt, throws it down to him and says, you're going to do this, and then he goes off into the and then the thing with the hatchet where he slams it into the table. He gets everybody in line. What do you mean he's a passive character? He doesn't. He, they, they don't get in line, and, this, and this, the sub crashes because he couldn't get them in because he has, to, there's too many loose powder kegs in his crew. The sub crashes because of the vagaries of what they're dealing with. They're they're no, internal canyons. They're running through canyons because no, because he's not passive. That's the problem. I mean, that's what Scoot McNary, uh, not Scoot, but uh, but who eventually says it? Ben Mendelsohn does this weird switch around. Fraser does this. The gold has driven you mad thing, um, and. And actually, the opposite is true, that he's trying to drive them out of there with the gold. He's not passive. Yeah, actually, you know what? That is the one thing I like. It's like he's arguing for the gold, and then the crazy guy's arguing for their survival, and it's usually the other way around. Like, Paul Reiser's always like, you know, we got to keep, yeah. keep in mind the dollar amount. And so in this, I did like that reversal where Jude Law, like the captain, is the one who wants the gold. Like, I thought that was cool. I, I like that too because once it's there, that's, that's why they went. Right. It's like we've lost these lives. This is why we're doing it. But more than that, more than that is this whole class struggle thing that that is constantly burbling up through this movie. I mean, this movie is is not just a heist movie, but it's also a, a movie about class struggle. Yeah. And 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 class warfare and 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 his. Um, He's almost Ahab as far as rich people yeah. are concerned. 
and he's constantly on that. And and I think what happens with that that Fraser Ben Mendelsohn character, which is a weird shift for me, is is more of a realization is that it, it, he's not on to help us as as much as he's crazy about this them thing who are they who are they who are they and so i think far less than him being passive is is him shifting from this is our mission to to constantly understanding that they are out to get us and i will not let them win uh but even after he finds that he's been manipulated by the company to taking this mission it doesn't no, he's no, still... he, it, it emboldens him because because once he finds that out, he's like, I'm not going – because if he, if he um, surrenders at that point, the company still wins eventually once they, once they solve – because the whole point of not bringing up the gold before this is a political struggle. And eventually that company will win the political struggle. He understands that or he believes that. And he's not going to let that happen. So he's not, and and also, and and this is why why in my little mini opsis I talked about the value of life. Scoot McNary says uh, this is our lives. This is a value of life issue. Well, once Scoot McNary gets to to the surface, he's going to go about his life and be just fine. These other guys are going to still be scraping on their bellies to just get a buck. Right. Like, you don't understand the difference between life and life. That's his point. He's like one of it, one of the great lines early on in this movie. One of, one of the things I love is he says something like, "We don't have to live like this anymore." I or I know I know how not to be like this anymore. I don't know what the exact line is that, but when they decide to do it, he's saying. I know how we don't have to be this anymore. And it's this class struggle. And I love that you brought up Foxcatcher in your um, in your opsis because I think that this movie has some of that to it. It's it's these guys yeah. these guys are they have no other options. Nothing nothing else is available to them. These guys like one of them says I don't know what their jobs are, but they're crap jobs that that they've been relegated to because their other jobs cease to exist. Yeah, and it's this class difference, and I, I think the movie hammers at home a little too much. But I, I think that far from being passive, is that this captain is like, we are not going to settle for that. We're not going to let this company take this gold or even claim this gold at some point in the future either we're going to bring it to the surface or we're going to die and that's that uh yeah I guess that's a good point he does die with the gold but see they're just off the coast of that island like now they could kind of get it easier like is he yeah that's a good it can't be too far down <laughs> so those guys don't have to get off the island they have to keep the the location of the sub secret yeah, good point. One English, one Russian made it out. Uh, did you see those suits as a Deus Ex Machina at all, or is it not one because Jullah didn't have one? Um, I was a little nervous about that. Um, 
there was a moment where I felt like, and this is where this uh, this director's previous movie, or the movie I, that we watched for uh, many movie club awesome. was The Eagle, and this this movie has a lot in common with that. It's yeah. it's, it's we're going to get something that's really important and it's made of gold and we're going to bring it back. Um, and in The Eagle, uh, there's there is sort of a Deus Ex Machina that rescues the the beautiful main character. Um, this this movie, Black Sea, doesn't fall into that. I think Black Sea, um, it's his gray. I, I well maybe sort of. Um, what I was worried about when that third suit pops up is like, oh fuck, they let Jude Law come up. I don't know how they did it, but they're just going to jigger it around so that Jude Law got to come up in the third escape suit. And I and and I immediately my I was sort of crestfallen because I thought that his sacrifice was necessary. He he let the other guy out because the guy has a kid to take care of, and uh, he let uh, uh, the the other dude out because I mean the the three of them were basically get to survive because they they saved a life I guess, um, but he doesn't survive, and I thought I think that's a really good point about the movie i i think that that once that that third suit comes up uh, and i you know i i understand what you're asking about the three suits being a deus ex machina i don't think that is i think that that he held them aside he probably bought them himself somehow he they they made it clear early on there are no escape suits period um but there are only three of them uh but they can't use all three of them there's no escape hatch that would allow him to do that, but I like the way it ends. I like that. At first, I was I was worried that it was him, and then it was like, oh, it's a couple of gold bars and a picture. I loved that. Yeah. What do you think of the sub action? Like compared to submarine, like kind of for October or uh, um, anything really. Because I felt a little disappointed in that area. Well, what do you mean? How do you feel disappointed? I just didn't feel like I was having a. I didn't. I wasn't feeling that sense of uh, of dread and like because submarines are really creepy. What um, do you mean they're creepy? Just well, when you feel when you watch the dust boot, you can kind of feel like it's a, when those bolts pop out and shit. Like you yeah. really feel the sense of the water above you, and they just feel like like you're like in gravity where you're you're definitely somewhere where man was not supposed to go like you're, yeah. you're really and you can feel like there's only like an inch separating you from all that water coming in um i didn't feel that during this movie so much like it seemed like and i was sort of hoping for more of it because the sub was so decrepit but it seemed like if if they had worked together they probably would have been fine but they weren't I don't know. Maybe I'm being silly because it seems like the things I'm. No, no, I'm no. I think you're making like, a good point. Where the depth charges and where like the classic submarine moments where they go too deep or like in Abyss where Ed Harris is going down, he's starting to lose his mind from the loss of oxygen. Like those kind of scenes, like where it's like there's no way we're going to get back up. Like they get, it's almost like they have it too easily. Like they land right next to the other sub. Sort uh, well, of happenstance. What's weird for me is that all of their. Um all of their obstacles are environmental. Um, they keep talking about the fleet, the fleet, the fleet. They never run into any problems. Right. And they're in a super loud 
uh, boat uh, that any modern sonar could easily catch. I mean, from 10 years ago, or for 20 years ago, right. 30 years ago. Was because is, is like the fact that it's the Black Sea in particular? Is there something about that particular sea? Uh, I think it is. A, I, I think it is. Because uh, that I would have wanted more information on, just because that's interesting. I would have liked to see more of that. I would have liked to get more of a sense of what that is. But I did like that we were contained in that particular environment the whole time. I didn't have a problem with that. And I did get a sense of... Uh, I mean, of that dress. I mean, not, yeah, of the subness. Yeah. In in Dust Boot, though, it's like you're, you, there's all those tracking shots where you go from one end of the sub to the other, and you get a real sense of like how. Well, Dust Boot feels much more uh, confined. Yeah. This, it's trying to freak you out. It's trying to make you go, look how fucked up it was on the sub. And in this, right. it kind of felt palatial. Uh, I wouldn't say Captain palatial. Stark. It didn't, didn't feel palatial in the way that Hunt for October feels palatial. No. I right. mean, Hunt for October feels like you're on uh, a, a theater set. Yeah, you're in Cadillacs. Right. Um, the, this didn't feel like that, but it didn't feel like we were in such confines that whenever a man had to move past another man, he was rubbing against him. Right. You know, that, that there's no room to move at all. Uh, even that, like, bunk room. Where the Russians are like, this is our side. I mean, there's still like, geez, you guys could have five, ten I more have, bunks in here. That looks, yeah, posh. So yeah, from that from that point of view, I I agree with you. But is that silly? Like, it's not the not every sub movie has to have that to the degree that you. I don't know. Just because I remember thinking that that's something I really liked about the Eagle early on was. It kind of did have a sense of place, and it felt like a weirdly right. effective setting. And then the sub movie, I guess, provides certain expectations. I well, I I think the sense of place works just fine here. I just don't think that what you're what that particular thing you're talking about that 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 claustrophobic the holy shit on a sub feeling. But I think the sub is well put together. I love that they used an old, cranky, ugly-looking sub, and that it's it's ugly-looking inside, and it's yeah. it's oily and rusty and terrible-looking, and it's not clean. It's not a beautiful-looking place. Yeah, but I the, did like that a lot. But that that sub never grew on me as a character. Like it should have. Like oh, it's the crusty sub. No one believed it. Like the filthy, shitty sub. The, like, what was that sub's history, and did he pick it out of another... I don't know. Because in other sub-movies, I always feel like I get really into like what that sub's been through. Yeah, I guess I can so see what you're saying. Millennium Falcon origin story kind of stuff. <laughs> and this like, I ever get the sense that, that, he, that Jude Law really gave a shit about this sub in particular. Like, you and me, baby. We're going down Black Sea. Like, I, I didn't feel that rapport between bad and machine well i never got the feeling when i was inside the millennium falcon that any of that stuff inside made any sense for how it looked outside it always seemed like they had a (laughs) falcon yeah it always seemed like they had like like they were in a new york apartment rather than in that that actual it always seemed to me when the millennium falcon's like spinning really fast but then it cuts to shots of them standing like obi-wan could like an old man standing watching yeah none of that makes any sense to me uh, and but I'm not really uh, but as for the Millennium Falcon but for this I'm not I just it didn't occur to me because I just think the movie is so well paced and so well put together and I love the characters so much that 
that particular aspect of whether or not it's das booty enough doesn't matter to no, me. No, but then I did feel okay. There's a point where there's like a movie where I feel like the message overtakes the coolness of the characters or like the survival elements, and that's yeah. the like what that was that kind of it. Like that's where I felt betrayed. Like oh, it's making a point about class struggle. Damn it! I just wanted to know if they'd get out of the hedge maze. Fuck! What do you mean f- I feel betrayed? What do you mean, feel betrayed? I'm going to give you one block of gold each, one brick of gold each, to show that the company didn't win. Like, we got some of the gold out, damn it, at least two of us made it. I don't know. Like, he wouldn't have done that. Like, they didn't even care about the gold by that point. No, no, it's not the gold. It's it's literally helping them survive. Mm. His point is... They needed food. His, his point is, I'm not going to leave here poor. And he's made sure that those men don't leave their poor. The, each of those men, they, they have half a million dollars, and for them, that's that's not being poor. No matter what Ben Mendelsohn says about two million dollars isn't, isn't a lot in this day and age, for that kid and that Russian, half a million dollars, however many gold bars he sent up, that's plenty for them. That, that will enable them to live their lives and make a life for themselves. That's the point. He's he, he's saying, I'm not going to let the rich people win over the, at least this. But the, the second they come up, the company's going to see them. What? Isn't the company, they're going to go, oh, wait, you guys survived the sub that went down, and now you bought these new cars? Hmm. And then they'll, like, arrest them then. Well, hopefully Robert De Niro won't hang him up in a frozen uh, car at that point. <laughs> uh, do you? Yes. Do you recognize the uh, uh, the guy who played uh, Morozov? No. Wait. Uh, no. Uh, and you know he's the he's the guy who who winds up uh, on you know at the surface. He's the Russian who turns out he can speak English. Um. He winds up at the surface with the kid. So Morozov and I didn't – I totally didn't – Dan Hedaya. No, it's not Dan Hedaya. The, the skinny guy with a beard. Oh. Wow. Um, uh, so Morozov, the, the guy who winds – who's the one of the two people who survives the movie. Um, I totally didn't recognize this. And you know, Tom, uh, Tom and I went to see this together. This is the first movie I've gone to see that Tom has gone to see with me in a theater in – since I don't know when, uh, he's yes. like he's like, hey, uh, let's let's try to go. Let's let, I want to go see this. Let, let's see if we can do this. And uh, it was totally. It was so much fun to see this movie with him. And afterward, uh, we're driving home, and Tom said uh, that Morozov guy was he the most wanted man? Oh wait, oh shit, right. And it turns out. Tom was spot on. He nailed it. That's uh, Gregory again. Gregory Dobrigan. Uh, that guy was the guy, you know, who did the shaving scene in Most Wanted Man. He's the guy who they're they're all after in Most Wanted Man. Uh, I feel dumb. I should have recognized him. I it's, totally it's feel the same too. way. And Tom, like the moment we, you know, we were out of the theater, Tom's like, "Is that that guy?" Tom totally nailed it. I loved that. I was like, you've got to be – when I was doing my research tonight, writing on my notes, I was like, God damn it. He totally got it. Well, okay. now I'm glad he got the gold because he gets so jacked in that other movie. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So it was uh, it was just this little this great little moment. Uh, so yeah, it's the exact same role almost. Yeah, he's an exile. I see, and now he is the most wanted because he's the only one who has gold in Russia from the Nazis. <laughs> so it's like a prequel. Um, do you? How do you feel about that whole one crazy dude thing on the on the ship? Uh, you know, it seems like I've seen it since in movies since Fear. And Abyss. Um, yeah, I kept thinking about Abyss. I, I thought about the Wangro character in Heat. And they never deal with him. Like, you know, the guy always winds up fucking everything up. And they never, they never like, just go, all right, if we just take him out, we'll save ten lives. Right. Like Doc Smith. Um, but, uh, you know, Scoot McNary is a good actor. Now, I'm not talking about Scoot McNary. I'm talking um, about Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, the, the psychopath. Yeah, he's they they label him as a psychopath, and they also say they he's the only in. he's okay. the only diver we can use. I guess like that, I could kind of get because you go well. The, the rest of the crew keep him in line, but it seemed like they're always sort of cheering him on. Like, yeah, kill the Russian guy. I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but like, it seemed like he's like they were like, ah, you know, just he's the psychopath member of our merry band. You just got to keep an eye on him when you sleep. It's fine. I love I love that sense of we're not going to forget what you did, <laughs> but we we need you to get us out of here. He doesn't though. That's the thing. No, he fucks them royally, but but they all have to realize because they're in this. They're it's like being trapped in you know yeah like being trapped in space or trapped it being trapped underwater is is that we would like to take revenge on you, but we need you, but. That that one guy's like, once we get up there, you know, I'm gonna eat your liver. I mean, I I love that sense of we're gonna we're gonna have some equilibrium here, but you just let you just so you know. And and then that's the like idea. a dumb thing to tell someone. Like, just keep that in mind silently, but don't utter the threat. Right, right. Let them be surprised when you surface and go. By the way, <laughs> we didn't forget. Here's the knife. It's like. The like Scoot McNary is the only one who's smart enough to play that guy. Afterwards, like why is oh. Law going? All right, look, you're, here's Sackbath character. Don't listen to the manipulative guy. That's a, you guys are a bad combination. You shouldn't even be in the same engine room. Put you here and you in uh, uh, number three. That fucked me. Up. I was so upset with that. God, it was so easy. He's like, dude, just kill him. Everything's fine. And he's already hearing voices because of because of the wheezing guy who's gone right. over the edge. Yeah, yeah, he's and crying it, on the weak. And it's so beautiful the way that when he gets into the his his own atmosphere, when Fraser, when the Ben Mendelsohn character gets into his own world as the diver, he calms the kid down. I've never lost a man. Don't worry. This is how we're going to do it. I mean, he's totally different when he's in that atmosphere. And then when he loses somebody for the first time, he just loses everything. I mean, I kind of like that character in this movie, but that, like, the Michael Bean character and that, that like, uh, I was a little bit weird about, like, we're bringing a psychopath along character. Yeah. Because I think there's a smarter way the script could have gone 
instead of having a guy who stabs people just to get yeah, people. it's the same thing as like zombie movies. It's like you know you go wait, Jude Law hasn't seen a movie where you bring the psychopath aboard and they fuck everything up. Like he should know, having right. seen those movies himself. Right. Like at least separate him from the other guy. Like at least have them in different rooms. <laughs> Tie them up or figure it out. There's got to be a way. Right. But I also like at the same time, like what one of the moments I kind of liked, even though it sort of played into that, was when Sukumiri comes in. And he's all, "Oh yeah, I, he's dead." And then they're all, "Wait, you did it. You killed him." And then he's like, "Look, what's the difference?" Like he instantly yeah, just, that moment is awesome. Yeah, he, he's like, "Why are you making me lie?" Let's <laughs> type with shit. Like when, was, when he just like, says, "What's the difference?" What's the I, difference? Yeah, it's such a great moment. It's a war games line. He's quoting war games. It is. It is such a great line because he's like, you know, we're all under here anyway, so why are we going to fuck around? What's the difference? Yeah, we killed. Right. Let's move on because you're not going to do anything to us anyway. Yeah. I mean, let's skip all the middle shit. But then Jude Law kind of doesn't kill him after that. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. What is the difference? Good point. Touche. Now we're down four more people. Also, too, it's like his logic he used on Ben Mendelsohn is like, okay, we need seven guys to get to the surface. But eight guys to get the gold. So if you kill him, then we'll have seven. But if I was Ben Mendelsohn, I'd go, okay, yeah, if we have seven, but I should just kill this guy since we could use the Russian guy. And this, and all Skubinuri is going to do is talk shit in my ear all the way up anyway. Right. So all that right. Was, uh, so uh, huh. uh, let's let's should we move on to over under here? Yeah, I guess I feel bad now. Why? Well, just because I feel like my over is dust boot. All right, that's fine. Fair comparison. Uh, that was gonna. That was one of my choices for, that could have been an over. My over is uh, Hunt for October. So who cares? Eh, that's different. It's. it's I reject it's, your over. I'm you could go ahead and reject it. It's a ridiculous movie, but uh, I love it. So it's going to be my over. Why is dust boot your over? That was the most atmospheric submarine movie. And the one where I was kind of like... I felt queasy in a good way, the way I did during Gravity, and how I was wishing I felt. Oh, that's a great... Con- that's a Yeah, that's good. Unfront October is cool, too. Unfront October has a really good sense of space. Like, you can tell totally what's going on between the subs and that, and I think it's really good. It's a really well-made movie for that. Unfront October is just really pretty, though. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it's interesting things happening. Um, the thing sure. that made me think about Humphrey October in this is is when they're going through the canyon and there's that moment when they're going through the the twins of Thor in Humphrey October and they're do, just doing it by charts and they're doing it at a high speed because the Russians have these high speed routes that they've gone through that they figured out. Um, but what but I what I kind of liked a little bit more about Black Sea is that. That the, uh, the the dude Bubba had to figure it out as they were going with his stopwatch, and in a different way, and he had he had to be doing it in real time. Um, but I I just lo- I I'm just such a big fan of Hunt for Red October because I think as a thriller, it's it's just got so much more going for it story wise than I think Black Sea does. Uh yeah. But those are. But Jack Ryan will work for the company. Like he wouldn't be. He's not like the Jude Law. Character. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so what would your under be? My under would be what I think is a hugely overrated movie, except for Jacqueline Bisset's Pokies, uh, The Deep from 1970. 
Jeez. What is that? That movie's even more boring. Like, Black Sea has that part with, with the gold and the grocery cart, but, like, The Deep, I swear to God, that movie's, like, three hours of them, like, vacuuming morphine bottles off off the sand. Like, I have never seen that, so I don't know. Really? Uh, it's so boring. I want you to watch it. There was, like, what... Um, they'd edit it for TV, and they'd split up into two nights and just make it four hours and, like, make you... It's, like... And it was like even more footage of that like just vacuuming morphine wow it's all that happens in that fucking movie <laughs> Robert Shaw's in it and Nick Nolte and Jacqueline Bissett I can't believe you've seen it do I need to see it? no right. there's one part where they attack her with chicken blood and it's kind of like fear of flying a little bit there's a little tummy action <laughs> it's like fear of flying nice <laughs> uh but yeah, the deep I could consider inferior to Black Sea. I would right. watch Black Sea again than the deep. Good. Uh, the movie I would put under would be U five seven one, as opposed God. to the the pre, uh, the sequel that you mentioned earlier, U five seven three. I don't know what that movie is, but um, I'm talking about U five seven one, the Jonathan Mostow movie starring John Bon Jovi. Uh, I am not a fan of that movie at all. Wait, is that the McConaughey one? Yeah, definitely. You don't like it? Come on. It was oh, crazy. no, no. I can't stand that movie. I got to watch Really? I remember yeah, liking I, it. I watched it on TV. Maybe you like went first day and you were you had your Tom next to you or didn't have your Tom next to you. It might have been it might have been in that kind of thing cuz you know, I'll re-see a movie uh, and then like it more than I liked it the first time around, and wonder well, why. What the hell was I thinking? But I well, thought I thought U five seven one was uh, just a a piece of crap. I really did. I really did not like the way that movie played out. I didn't think it felt like it was on submarines at all. And, uh, and as much as I like John Bon Jovi, I didn't think he was a good director. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh. That sense of disappointment, surprise disappointment, will come up again shortly. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk now about our uh, so uh, you Jude Law double feature uh, for our for our Jude Law double feature. We do a we uh, we do a mini movie club, mini penny movie club of Palooza uh, pick, um, and based on a movie we saw last week and talked about. Uh, Snapper. Uh, that would be American Sniper. Uh, Kelly Wand Maybe. floated a couple of choices, and I kind of badgered you or cajoled you into doing this movie. Uh, what movie did you suggest that we watch this week? Uh, I chose Enemy at the Gates, although it wasn't my first pick. You went, no, we'll do it, because I was going to pick something dumber, I think. You're going to pick Shooter, I think. Yeah. No, I was gonna be, it was going to be Day of the Jackal or Venturi Candidate. Oh, all right. I you know what? We I should pick Shooter because I hadn't seen Shooter, and you hadn't seen Shooter, so that would have been the smarter choice. Uh, I've seen Shooter and it's not watching. Um, Swagger. Uh, and we'd both already seen Day of the Jackal, and we talked about that puff of smoke. Um, but I was kind of excited to watch Enemy at the Gates again. And did you watch it again this week? I did, and I gotta say. I think I still like chunks of it, but it was it felt way more artificial looking than I remembered. I think everybody looks way too healthy in it. Okay. And it was very it was way more Hollywoody than I remembered it. And and it's especially right after seeing Black Sea, where Jude Law is definitely 
He looks like he's been through some shit. In Enemy at the Gates, no one does, and they're fucking Stalingrad in like the worst. I know, yeah. Time, and there's just like a little bit of dirt on Rachel Weiss's face, and the kid looks well fed. It just doesn't look like what's going on is what's really. They don't look battered enough in it, and um, everything I remembered happening in the movie is all that happens in the like I was think I was thinking, oh, there'll be the other scenes. There'll there'll be lots of Ron Perlman set up for that character. That'll be cool. And it's like five minutes, and <laughs> everything in the movie is like that. It's like everything I remembered was just it's everything that happens. Like there's no, there weren't any like hidden jewels. I went, oh yeah, that part. It was all sort of up in the front. So I think I was disappointed, and now I feel remorse for having chosen it. The AIDS. Hmm. Although. I think I still like it more than American Sniper. Well, I definitely like it more than American Sniper. It's a it's a sniper v sniper off. Yeah. By two actors that are kind of good. Uh-huh. Uh, they're kind of good. I think Ed Harris is horribly miscast. Um, he looks great, but he sounds terrible. I, I don't know what he's just like. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna even try to do any kind of accent. Whatever anybody else is doing, he sounds horrible. I think. Well, that's a choice you got to make. Like maybe that wasn't the wrong choice. Because if you picture it with him, the with like, did Tom Cruise have a German accent in Valkyrie? Dude, I have not seen Valkyrie, and that's a horrible. Are, if you're trying to make an no, no. If you're trying to make an argument for that no no I'm just saying okay look in Widowmaker Harrison Ford and Liam Neeson are both Russians and Harrison Ford has a Russian accent Liam Neeson doesn't even try one and they're supposed to be like this, they're best friends and they're both Russians like, I've not seen that either the doesn't. best analogy to make is Sean Connery in Hunt for Red October do that uh, does he talk Russian right before they switch to English well he tries he does this you porushke and yeah. he sounds like this Scottish Russian speaker Right, so... But it has nothing to do with... I mean, the you Purushki doesn't make... I mean, it sounds like he's talking about, are you going to make me some pierogies or something? I mean, it's he's, ter- he's his voice is terrible, but he's per- he's perfect for the part. But at Enemy at the Gates, it's like Rachel Weisz is talking like... She's got like a Cockney dialect. On well, everybody has this weird English accent that they just put right. on. Except Ed Harris. He doesn't. Well, he doesn't. That's what I'm saying. So all it's like of, all of the Germans don't. Yeah, I know. But Ed no Harris, who the fuck knows what the fuck Ed Harris is doing with his voice? He sounds terrible. He looks great. He's got this great chiseled look. He doesn't like the, say much. I didn't think. No, but what he says, I too American. I didn't believe a thing that was going on, and I, until you said it, uh, I didn't think about how healthy everybody looks and usually that bothers me there, there's a lot that i really liked about it this time i remember really hating it the first time i you liked it, it more this time well uh to be fair um i loved the first mm, let's say two-thirds of it yeah i like the um, opening I, I really i like the opening i like the the some of the opening the, the opening set pieces of cat and mouse stuff um i i really like that that first, uh, like that first part where uh, uh, Joseph Fiennes give it, gives him the rifle and he takes out all those British soldiers yeah. when they're like lying down in that fountain. 
whatever that is. I really like that, and and I like that that opening sequence with his grandfather, where his grandfather is telling him, you know, I put snow in my mouth so that I so that you don't see the the breath coming out of my mouth, and, and this is how I am a sniper. And I like so a lot of the sniper lore and the sniper stuff that goes on. Yeah. Um, but and and geez, I got to tell you. W- I think the moment – I really love that sex scene. God, it's – Yeah, I love the sex scene. I don't like that character. I don't get what she's doing there. I have no idea what she's doing there. That sex scene no reason for it. It's a great sex scene. But that sex scene is so fucking hot. Yeah. Good God. Oh, my God. It's so fucking hot. Yeah. It's it's just this quiet little sex scene. Uh, oh, my God. It's authentic. Like, this is probably how it was. Everyone's just like sleeping around it. Yeah, and I totally could see that. I mean I, I – and it was right after he gave us. He gets her to bed with this factory speech, which oh, was very slick. Jesus, it was so hot. We all have a factory speech. I really love that sex yeah. scene. But once we get past that, the movie becomes a soap opera. It's oh yeah, they just find yeah, it, and the James Horner score just yeah. oh I hated it yeah horrible stuff uh, I mean and and so I didn't know it was him until I started really listening after that because after that it just becomes this terrible it should have no it becomes a soap opera it's this like this love triangle kind of a shitty thing and and the sniper stuff falls away and none of it makes any sense and 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 then they're kissing at another point and she sits up and sees the boy hanging in the distance yeah and, she has to pick up the binoculars. And says, oh my god, it's the boy! It's it's just yeah. oh, it's unbelievably then she's dramatic. Killed. Oh, it's cheesy and terrible. And that, what about that? He goes to a hospital and there, and he's all, "Where is she here? She's supposed to be here." I got three letters, and the old lady's all, "No, there's no Tanya. What's her name here?" <laughs> and then she sits up and sees him across the room, and then that's the ending. And it's like, wait, why was the old lady saying that? It's it doesn't make there's no reason for that. Sense. Just None so that they see each other. That's fucking dumb. Oh my god! It, the movie just drives into the ground with this yeah. horrible soap opera. Terrible. The, this looter. This that thing where he's like even the sniper stuff falls off. Where he's looking for this, and then he falls asleep. And oh, just when he falls asleep, yeah. the guy sneaks by. How? crazy as that and then yeah, he the, gets the kid killed and then the looter interrupts just at the right moment the looter comes by i mean it's just it becomes so horrible and all it's, that early stuff was so well set up yeah then joseph fines goes hey i'll do something useful but then it's like why would ed harris go like suddenly his instincts desert him oh. and it's not even useful you know I, i'll tell you where the major is well you didn't show me anything thanks yeah. Thanks for doing that. I was busy. I was. I was looking at your face. Yeah, I was looking at your face. Yeah. Looking for that. Yeah. Thanks for the help. Now I just fell a certain direction. You have to triangulate it. It's just. Ugh. But it just. I mean, but I'm so glad you got me to watch it again because so much of that sniper stuff early on yeah. scratched that itch First that, half. I, that I wanted American Sniper to do. Uh-huh. American Sniper just refused to even. You know, give me a, a back scratcher to do it myself. I mean, American Sniper did none of that. And at least this movie gives you a sense of how a sniper be- might become a sniper. Um, and I really liked that. And there's a lot of headshots and 
scopes and yeah, yeah. There's timing. a lot of some of the action's kind of good. Yeah, yeah Stalingrad looked, Stalingrad looked pretty tweaked. Like the city looked cool. Right, but I. I what do you think of the Bob Hoskins character? Oh, jeez. Him as Khrushchev. It's a little embarrassing, I, I'm afraid. Lose your other half, you man. Is that what that guy would have said? Oh, God. Is that his command? Like, that's how. That's his function in the. They just. I'll bet that first part, though, where they go, all right, you half you get a rifle, one follow. Like, that was all really cool. Oh, I do like the. Yeah, the, the, the one with the rifle shoots, the one who follows him. Right. Uh, the, uh, the one without follows him. When one gets killed, the one following picks up the rifle and shoots. Yeah. I I did love that. Um, and he can't like, it. The other guy snatches it at the last second. It's like, yeah, yeah. I like that, and I like the sort of the character deduction, like that's for the army. Right, and then uh, you know, comrade commissar is like, can you shoot uh, a little? A little. Yeah. <laughs> And then he takes everybody out. That's a great setup. I mean, it's you feel it coming, but it's it's a great payoff. I mean, I like yeah. that kind of thing in a movie. It's a BQ for the bromance. <laughs> they're the hypotenuse, the love triangle. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it is a BQ because that's what, that's Joseph Fine's character doing flyers. And that's what the poet would do. The poet <laughs> character. I, I also like the whole idea of uh, of. Um, of Khrushchev calling uh, what's his name the boss who Stalin yeah he constantly refers to him as the boss the boss he's like uh, the city bears the name of the boss oh yeah he's like you can well, take it up with the boss and I wonder if that's something specific to him or or if that's just a thing because one of the 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 lead Russian guy before he gets killed uh calls the captain the boss he's like he, he calls him the boss uh, and i wonder if that's a russian thing or if it was specific to stalin and i, I really like that khrushchev going take it up with the boss yeah so did anybody write in this week about yeah some uh, did all right i was thinking like ed harris doesn't say anything like that about the fuhrer but it, no he does not it's strictly a russian thing yeah Adam Kennedy writes, long-time listener, first-time writer to the show. I actually sneaked into Animate the Gates while in 8th grade with a friend of mine and a girl that I think liked me at the time. He sneaked into Animate the Gates? Yeah. Oh, great. 8th grade. On a date. With a dude. One of the most awkward moments. Wait, that sounds like the movie, then. Like, she was a Rachel Weisz. And then... Yeah. Yeah. And you're watching a Love Triangle movie. <laughs> bump the Jude Law in this. One of the most awkward moments I've had to sit through without being able to change or alter it in any way was the excruciating sex scene. What? Excruciating? Um, oh. oh, man, that's my favorite thing in the movie. Well, if you're eighth grade and you're with the girl. Well, oh, that's a good point, Adam. And his friend. His name Adam? Adam, Adam Kennedy? Kennedy, yeah. Yeah. Her pin drop in the theater as that scene played out. Ah. Oh, as eighth grade, that would have been excruciating. You're right. <laughs> That's how that's how the eighth grade sex is, though. <laughs> totally ruining. Uh, oh, eighth grade, I was still shit. ten years away from sex, so who knows? Oh wait, okay. So as the sex scene is playing, while what finally broke the tension was an usher flashing her light at my a girl usher flashing her light at my two friends and I right as the sex scene was about to end, pausing for a second as none of us looked old enough to be in an R-rated movie, and telling me to get my feet off the seat back in front of her. <laughs> 
That's enabling. Being a very awkward kid, nothing ended up happening with my lady friend. No, you got to see the movie together. That's the thing. That's first base. Yeah. That's first base. I would have killed for enemy at the gates. Eighth grade. Uh, great show, and I'm glad you guys continued in Tom's absence. I also wish Tom a speedy recovery. Please refer to me as Ray, and not by my email address. <laughs> Why do they do it at the end? Damn you, listeners. Sorry, Ray. Justin D. Heard writes, not a step backward. Hey, guys, I found I enjoy this movie, despite there being something off about it. There are several. You know what? It's that Horner score. I'm convinced, I guess, in hindsight. I think the Horner score, at the, especially after that point where it turns the corner for me, it's just it's overbearing. Yeah. Where the where it's ahead of you when she see when she get, takes the binoculars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, yeah, yeah. Horner. Yeah. You're upstaging a hanged child. There are several highlights, including Ron Perlman, just Ron Perlman, with pearly whites. <laughs> like driving Pacific Rim, Ron Perlman elevates any material. Seriously, though, I like how tense it can be between Jude Law and Ed Harris. Though I don't think the movie really starts until Vasily gets his rifle. Up until that point, it just feels like a ripoff of Saving Private Ryan. More for the feel of it than actual content. Thanks again, guys. Um, you know, it's actually that he didn't even have a gun. Private Ryan had it easy. Or whatever. Well, it's, it can't possibly be a ripoff since it came out before that, right? No, Private Ryan was 98 and Enemy the Gates was 2001. Oh, all right. So it probably was a ripoff of it, actually. Well, I think that the early stuff when they're... Um, they probably pitched us and stuff. I think. I think it's. I think he's right. I think it is pretty. Uh, I think it is pretty much sort of like the poor man's version of that. There's some Russian movie I was watching. Dingus called Stalingrad, and it was super violent. And like the whole movie was that, but everyone was on fire. It's like everyone. It's like they were uh, charging the lines with burning. Never mind. Paul Weimer. The one with the rifle shoots, the one without the rifle follows him. Another movie I was glad to revisit from the Soviet-style font in the title cards at the beginning. I like that, too. To the unexpected... Although it's kind of a spoiler for who wins. To the unexpectedly excellent performance of Bob Hoskins, this movie is jam-packed with interesting things to hold my attention. And I'd forgotten Ron Perlman without makeup was in the movie, too. As regards Paul. I liked Ron Perlman, actually. Yeah. I always like him. But uh, yeah, I was, that's what I was going to say. I I um I always like him. He sounded like he was talking kind of Britishly. He was he was because that was the that was the choice. If we're going to have Russians, they're going to speak British. So Ed Harris had to do. He couldn't sound British too because then you go wait. Well, I don't know what the hell Ed Harris is doing. I have no idea what he's doing with his voice. Mm. I just don't believe it. He's that's never the problem. I don't I don't believe his choice. I don't believe it. Uh, he looks very convincing. I don't believe a thing he says. He's not an accent guy. Like Harrison Ford, I've seen him, I've heard him do accents, and it's probably better if he doesn't. So maybe yeah. Harrison's just thinking. Probably. Chris Markardson writes, hey guys, I didn't mind this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's very... <laughs> I didn't mind this movie. I mean, he hates it. That's Chris Markardson speak for worst movie ever. I didn't mind this movie. In this movie. I do wish there would have been more battle scenes and sniping scenes since I think that's where the movie was strongest as everything else really didn't work for me. Yeah. I wish this movie could have been set in a single day with the entire movie being about the final duel between Zaitsev and Koenig. Uh, I don't think it can be because one of the things the movie does well is 
suggest the patience of the sniper and then the frustration of the political structure in that why is this taking so long yeah I mean, it, it gives this idea that the the whole battle of Stalingrad, is, the linchpin is whether or not these snipers, who's going to win? I mean, that's the idea that, it, well, well, why why hasn't this happened yet? And if yeah. it doesn't happen yet, we're going to flush you guys down the toilet. Um, but but uh, as much as I like the idea of, of a one-day uh, cat and mouse for two snipers, uh, which maybe we should write that script, um, I, I think that that would not like have the worked. duelists. Yeah, exactly. That's or the du- or duel. Um, yeah, you know what? I feel dumb though because like this is okay at the end of the of Enemy at the Gates. There's like that line about oh, you can still see Vasily's rifle in the museum or something. So I guess he's a real guy. Yeah, and probably and a Russian hero. So it's like we didn't check on like in the wake of American Sniper and like what you know what really happened like we didn't do like that like a fact check for Enemy at the gates like oh yeah the real guy lives in uh well i didn't do a fact check on chris kyle in american sniper either because i don't care i mean it it might very well be that he's a liar and a crazy man whatever you cared when i said he fabricated the mustafa the enemy sniper and you're like really then you you sounded well because i think that that story part is a weak part of American Sniper. I think it's weak. And that they made it up doesn't surprise me because it's weak. And it was Steven Spielberg's idea and they just, everybody ran with it. Actually, I read that the real baby was also plastic. Ah, very good. So, there was a lot of controversy. (laughs) That's the last letter. All right. So, uh, are there any other letters about the uh, about uh, Enemy at the Gates? No, that's what that's the last letter meant. All right. I, I was reading from a letter when I, I was saying that gibberish. Uh, I have no idea when. I, I can't see your air quotes. Oh, you can't see these. <laughs> I didn't do. It. All right. So for next week, uh, um, for next week's mini penny movie club loser. Uh, uh, I'm going to make you watch a movie. Some good, something that, good that you mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, and it's something that I've been wanting to watch for years now. Um, and I only recently got to talk about it because Tom watched it and you mentioned it earlier. I'll oh. make you watch Grey Lady Down. Hey, all right. Uh, I Did he saw like this. It? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll talk about that next week. All right, all right, yeah. uh, and I'll talk about you know I, the fact that I saw this with my dad, and I haven't seen it in I don't know thirty years, maybe maybe more than that. Uh, good lord, it might be thirty thirty five years since I've seen this movie. I can't even imagine how long since I've seen it. But um, but a lot of what happened in um, Black Sea made me think about the fact that that. Uh, Tom, uh, our, you know our friend and uh, co-podcaster, who will be back with us very soon, I hope, uh, within the next uh, several weeks. Um, Tom saw Grey Lady Down uh, within the last month or so, and um, mentioned it to me, and I'm like, oh my god, I, I have such fond memories of that. And uh, so anyway, all of that stuff we will talk about next week after the two of us have watched Grey Lady Down. Because uh, 
watching Black Sea made me really, really, really want to watch Grey Lady Down again. Oh, I hope my opsis of it didn't spoil it. Oh no, not at all. It may it actually delighted me that you brought it up. Uh because um there was a moment and I wrote this down in my notes as we were watching uh Black Sea. It was very early on and I just I just bracketed Great Lady Down MMC Mini Movie Club and bracketed it off and then when I transposed my notes I was like, "Oh yeah, Great Lady Down." Uh Great Lady Down. So I'm really excited to see that. Is Run Silent Run Deep a submarine? Uh, it must be. Alright. I don't know. I've seen it. But anyway, <laughs> hopefully I'll be able to find Grey Lady Down. Uh, I, I saw it on, uh, on Amazon for, uh, fairly cheap. So I'll probably just order it and watch it on DVD. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's available on Netflix or whatever. Um, but, uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. So there you go. So we're going to watch Grey Lady Down for our mini movie club of Palooza. And for next week's main movie, Mr. Uh, uh, Wands, yeah. um, what do you think we're going to watch next week? We're going to go the opposite direction from the bottom of the ocean and to, see... To where? We're going to see the movie and the location. It was shot a location. Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, that's right. So join us next week for Jupiter Ascending. Uh, the Wachowski brothers, uh, the Wachowski siblings, I should say, movie. Uh, I have no idea what it is. Who's uh, in it? I don't know. And don't know. I, I'm a little worried about it, but given that I liked Cloud Atlas so much, I'm not too terribly worried. Anyway, uh, so we're going to see Jupiter Ascending for our main movie. We are going to see Grey Lady Down for the mini movie Club of Palooza. Uh, I have been. Um, oh, uh, if you do see. Gray Lady Down, please do write us at 3x3, 3x3 at com to let us know what you thought about it. If you have an alternate name that you prefer to be called other than <laughs> the name on your email, let us know at the beginning of your email because we read these emails live on the air. So if you don't want us to say your email name, say it right away. Say, I don't want you to call me that. Call me Ray. Dear, dear guys, this is what I thought of um, Grey Lady Down. I, mean, I don't want to be called Dear Guys on the air. I don't care whatever. I, I just want to be really careful about uh, calling people what they want to be called. But, uh, but you have to let us know at the top of your email. Yeah, we can't be bothered to read an entire email before. It's, it's not that we can't be bothered. It's no. that we're used to the 3x3 three three emails. And we can't read those beforehand because they would screw up our picks. Um, so we generally don't read what you guys say about our uh, mini movie clubs either because we don't want to ruin what we're going to say. So if, if, if you don't want us to call, us, call you by your email name, then let us know right away. Don't call, don't call me that. Call me whatever. And we will, we will follow whatever you want to be called. We're totally cool with that. Just let us know early on. But write us at 3x3 at quarter3.com. Uh, you can also uh, please please do uh, follow us on Twitter. It's uh, the at the quarter to three. It's Tom Chick's um, quarter to three Twitter address. You, it's easy to find. Um, and uh, like us on Facebook as well, quarter to three, a movie podcast. Um, but anyway, I have been Christian Morosky. I am joined by Kelly Wand. Uh, Periscope Dune. 
Dude. You dream about going up there, but that is a mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Wait, so it's full of different things around you. What more did you look in fire? What did you say? She wouldn't have heard. Her friends wouldn't have sung that song to her. To Ariel, right? That's from. It's got to be from Shark Tale. <laughs> How dare you? You know it's Ariel. How dare you call it Shark Tale? I don't remember her having crab friends. I thought she got surfaced. Sebastian was her her crab friend. Uh, uh, I can't believe you said that. You know what? When we get on top, I'm gonna eat your liver. Wait, Daryl Hannah ate crab though. She was a mermaid. 